Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, I'm so excited to be here today and to be bringing a brand new theme. It's been, on, it's been in my heart for weeks. In fact, I was having trouble finishing last month's theme because this thing was burning in me. Venom. I'm going to talk about some stuff. The subtitle, I'll just say this way. I'm calling it Venom, the shaping of an overcoming soul. Shaping an overcoming soul. I want you to turn to Psalm 71 and Acts chapter 28. We're going to get right into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God that's able to save us, change us, heal us, and deliver us. Psalm 71 from God's Word translation, verse 20 says, You have made me endure many terrible troubles. You restore me to life again. You bring me back from the depths of the earth. You comfort me and make me greater than ever. I tell you, ever everything, when the enemy does everything to throw everything at you but the kitchen sink, and sometimes that too, the intention of God on the other side is not just, just that you recover, it's that you recover greater. Yes. That you're better than you were before. Yes. Acts chapter 28 describes a time when Paul the Apostle and his team are on a mission for God and they are shipwrecked on the island of Malta. It says in verse three, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man must be a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Let's pray together one more time. Holy Spirit, I can't bring this adequately with human words. I need you and your anointing to destroy yokes of bondage and lift heavy burdens. I need you to manifest your presence that the faith of these people will not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in the summer of recovery. Can you believe it's August 1st already? We're already in August. The year is flying by. And we're in a summer of recovery. As I've been seeking the Lord for a fresh anointing for revival, I've sensed that there are some obstacles we need to address to find deep and lasting healing and wholeness. I heard some recent data from the Surgeon General and a group of mental health professionals that coming out of COVID, 75% of people in America admit they are dealing with emotional pain and discouragement like they've never seen before or overall mental health challenges as a result of the pandemic. That's three out of four. That means on your row, if there's four people on your row, only one 
isn't carrying extra emotionally or mentally. And you were not designed to carry that. Jesus, was, Jesus went to the cross to carry that for you. Look at some of the Olympic athletes. Precious Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, others. They have been learning mental strength since they were children to conquer their sport. <clears throat> These are not weak women. But I submit to you that the pressures of this world, the expectations of a country, and the extra pressures placed on them as torchbearers, and suddenly they can't take any more pressure. My friends, that's a sign of what's going on in the whole world. But what you see in the Olympics shouldn't shock you with the pressures that people have had to even get there. Not just running their race, not just winning their event, but the pressures they had to get on a plane and go to a nation that didn't want them there in the first place. Venom. There's too much venom in the atmosphere. Too much venom on social media. Too much venom on the news. And too much venom now in the hearts of people and trying to get into God's people. But if we allow the venom, then the world is really in trouble. Might be better to call this theme anti-venom, shaping an overcoming soul. I talked about it years ago, but you know, in the years before Disney World, Ocala Silver Springs was a major tourist attraction in the state of Florida. Inside the park, one of my favorite things was a world famous exhibit called Ross Allen's Reptile Institute. Ross Allen and that, he was even featured on Sunday night, we used to have a show called Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. It was a, an animal show. <clears throat> and um, one of Ross Allen's sons even went to work for that, worked for that show for years and years. The story was that Ross Allen had been bitten so many times because what they would do in this thing, anybody, ever, anybody remember it and gone there? A few of you. They would milk rattlesnakes in front of a paying crowd, <clears throat> which sounds kind of weird, but they would catch them, open their mouths, and then place those fangs on a cup. Now, Ross Allen was bitten many, many times. In fact, twice he almost died from snake bite. And still, I think that'd be my sign. I think I'd, I think I'd like to be an accountant. <laughs> they said one of his thumbs had been bitten a couple of times, so it was not functional. It was black. And he could basically, his kids reported that he would put it in, in their chest if he was trying to get them to behave. And if, the, if that black thumb touched you, he couldn't feel anything anyway, but you felt it. Over his lifetime, he got bitten so many times, he became immune. He didn't even need, a, he didn't even need the anti-venom or the serum 
that he was helped creating by milking those snakes, <clears throat> he just built up his own immunity. And I believe God wants us to become immune to snake bites as well. Our working definition for venom, I know what natural venom is, but here's what I want to talk about. Venom is any poisonous substance injected into humans for the purpose of neutralizing or paralyzing their God-given purpose and destiny. Venom. Talking about spiritual things here. Wrong thoughts, bitterness, unforgiveness, perceived injuries and offenses, deception. From the opening of human history in the book of Genesis, there was a serpent that deceived Adam and Eve, injecting his poison with questions regarding God's own promises, regarding God's own word. He said to Eve in the garden, has God really said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? That's his question. Has God really said, <clears throat> pardon me, and I submit to you that's part of the venom today. That the enemy of your soul would love for you to question whether God said something. If he said it, did he mean it? And I'm telling you, God cannot lie. His word is his bond. His covenant is his absolute solemn oath and vow. And he cannot fail to keep his own word. One of my old pastors used to say that in Hebrews 6 where it talks about God must keep his word. He swore by himself in his own name. He said, there's no name higher. So he I swear in my own name. Therefore, my old pastor used to say, if God were to fail to keep any of his promises, he would have to destroy himself. That means he cannot fail. That means if you think he failed, you interpreted your promise wrong. Or you misinterpreted the timing. So the enemy deals with Eve in the garden. Supposedly an innocent question was loaded with subversive toxins. Driving a wedge between relationships. Exactly what happens today. That's still part of the devil's, devil's MO. The Bible says don't be ignorant of his devices. And he will always accuse God of lying to you. The other night I had some time to study and I was just, I took Thursday evening, I just had time by myself. My wife was out of town and I got to just really soak in, and as I was having a dinner break, something popped up on my um, computer of a pastor's webinar with one of the networks that we are friendly with, and um, it was on recovery. I thought, well, that's interesting. Let me look in on that. I watched the whole two hours and 10 minutes. Didn't plan to. thought, well, this goes along with what I'm talking about. Isn't that funny how God works sometimes? You're just on the track of something, God says, oh, here's, here's a breadcrumb. Get on the trail. I love it when God shows up like that. The focus specifically was on two things about recovery. 
Recovery from grief and recovery from anxiety. Two major post-pandemic problems. The person speaking said, and I'm gonna give you a couple of thoughts and I'll move on, but he said, grief is a normal human emotion and always tied to loss. Everyone will go through grief at some point in their lives and you have to face it. You can't deny it. You can't pretend it's not there. You have to actually face up when you lose something, when you have that sense of loss, whether it's a person or a job, a relationship, you have to rise up, face it, and it takes time to grieve. The speaker also said anxiety is different. And this is powerful. Anxiety, he said, is tied to an endless thought process, a loop of what ifs. You start playing stuff out in your head when you try to go to sleep. Anybody ever had anxiety, or, I mean, insomnia where you just lay down and this tape starts playing, you're trying, you're trying to, your body's exhausted, your soul is exhausted, and these toxins, these poisons, won't let your mind just come into alignment. Anxiety, said, takes away your sense of peace and the ability to actually rest internally, which is the very thing you need. If you had a broken bone, hopefully you'd get checked and help immediately. But too often we postpone dealing with a broken heart and we keep saying, well, I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with it later. Here's the truth. The anointing of Jesus is fully equipped to heal broken hearts. If you're struggling right now, you're not alone. I'll say that again. If you're struggling right now, emotionally, mentally, three-fourths of our country and probably the world are going through it too. You're not alone. But here's a promise from God if you belong to him. You will get through this. There will be another side. You will look back on this at some point and you will be through it. This is not forever. The devil's a liar. It's a powerful thought. Read this recently. The Psalms, the, Psalms is the, is the biggest book in the Bible, right? <clears throat> 150 chapters. It's all songs, and like we, we think it's all David, it's not David. It's like, it's like seven, eight, maybe 10 different writers that David, it's David and then the people David inspired, Asaph and other people he set in. These are songs. This is a song book, okay? It basically, Walter Brueggemann says that the Psalms basically depict three experiences of life, real life issues that we all face. He says this, a third of the Psalms are orientation. A third are disorientation. 
and a third are reorientation. I'll explain those one by one. A third of the Psalms are orientation. They're about creation, wisdom, the favor of God. They're oriented toward God. The, the, the psalmist is looking toward God and is at a place of peace with God and trusting God. Psalm 5, 11, 12 is a great promise. That's orientation of the Psalms. <clears throat> but let all those who re that rejoice, who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who also love your name be joyful in you, O God, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You'll surround him as with a shield. The orientation, Psalms of orientation are connectedness with God. There's about connection with God. There's a connect, there's a healthy connection with God. Psalms of orientation. But a third of the Psalms are disorientation, moments of chaos and confusion. You ever just felt out of sync, discombobulated? You're not yourself? The Psalms of disorientation are, where are you, God? And we all go through it. Songs expressing anger, hurt, resentment, the fog of change, valleys. The Psalms of disorientation are, are places where people sang songs where they were dealing with God and they were being honest with God and they're expressing how they felt. That's how you get through grief and anxiety, my friends. Interestingly enough, most of the one-third of disorientation were David. The one we think, he, I mean, he's a conquering king. But he got in God's face. He didn't just go tell all of his problems to everybody else. He got in God's face and said, God, this isn't right. Rick Godwin used to say that some of David's psalms were, he called them dirty, hairy prayers. <clears throat> there are psalms where David is saying, God, break off the teeth in my enemy's mouth. Let his children become fatherless. That's just blunt honest. Express it. The point here is God has big shoulders. You can be honest with him. When you think something sucks, you need to tell him it sucks. Sorry, in the King James, we sucketh. <laughs> Psalm 13, verse one from the message. Long enough, God, you've ignored me long enough. I've looked at the back of your head long enough. That's a psalm of disorientation. If you were to describe it in song, you'd say, it's the blues. It's okay to express the blues. It's not okay to live in the blues. Finally, the third of the psalms are reorientation. <clears throat> These are psalms where they're experiencing God the rescuer. Like in our text today, Psalm 71. You've made me endure many terrible troubles, but you restored me to life again. You bring me back from the depths of the earth. You comfort me and make me greater than ever. 
That's reorientation. I was there. I was disoriented. I wasn't myself. I was stuck. But because of you, I'm not just getting through. I'm coming through better than before. You've heard the earthly saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That should be a psalm. You experience the rescuer. Songs of, the Bible talks about songs of deliverance. Songs of relief, joy, and exuberance. Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. That means I'm still feeling the pressure, but God, you're greater than that. I can feel your presence greater than all this junk going on. The psalmist show us that traumatic moments and even withered faith are part of the journey of life, but you will make it through because the word says, though weeping endures for a night, joy always comes in the morning. There will be a moment where it gets better, but you have to find your true north. That means when you're lost and alone, you have to lift your eyes to the skies, lift your eyes toward heaven, open your heart, and invite Jesus in afresh. The Bible is your compass. It's a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. Get back in the Word. Even when you don't feel like like you're understanding it or getting anything from it, the Bible says that it will be your compass. It will show you true north and get you back on track like we talked about last week. Let's talk about the Apostle Paul in Malta. He's shipwrecked. That's not a good day. If the other, if the guards that were taking him to Rome had listened to him, they wouldn't have left the previous place because he had a word from God, don't go. But they went. In the shipwreck, he says to them, if you'll listen to me, there's not gonna be one loss of life. The prisoner takes command of the ship and even the captain listens to him. Think about that. A prisoner on his way to be tried steps up and says, God is saying, that's a warrior. That's a strong man of God. He says, we're gonna make it through. It's gonna be okay, but you gotta listen to me this time. You didn't listen before. It costs you everything, everything you have. They land on Malta. And he helps to build a fire. They're cold, they're wet, they're tired, they're exhausted, they're hungry. Bible says for days on end before the shipwreck, they were throwing the food out of the boat. They weren't even eating right. Paul actually made them eat a kind of a last meal before they threw all the food off. And he places these, the Bible says he gathered a bundle of sticks. I'll talk about that in a moment. He gathered a bundle of sticks. And as he places them on the fire, a snake came out. 
because of the heat, the Bible's very clear, because of the heat, the snake couldn't stay in the pile. We talk about revival being like a fire. And it takes some kindling to cause it to burn. It takes a gathering. He gathered, he went to gather the fuel. He went to gather the fuel. And in the gathering, the fire is started. A gathering, the first word of the word ecclesia for the, word, for the meaning of the word church in the New Testament is the word gathering. A gathering together of called out ones to action. Paul is a church builder. He's a planter. This has, this has, this really happened, but it has a lot of ramifications. It has a lot of meaning here. When we gather together around shared mission, vision, and values as the church, there is power for the fire. Mark Sharona said, the temptation when you're in emotional pain is isolation. The pain when you, the temptation when you're in emotional pain is always, I want to be alone. And it's the worst possible thing because a lot of the stuff we're facing now in the world is because we've been isolated for the last year and a half. Exactly the wrong response. As revival begins, the vipers can't hide out anymore because it gets too hot. Put it this way, revival, we, want, we pray for revival. We're praying this Wednesday night, part of our prayer, revival. God, revive us, refresh us, we need you. Revival applies spiritual pressure where even stuff within you can't hide. Where even stuff vexing you, you can't just tamp it down. You got to deal with it. Be prepared. When stuff rises up within you, wrong attitudes, Ancient offenses. Now you can tell if you're still offended with somebody because when their name comes up, you're still, there's still something that you want to explain your side, even to somebody who doesn't know the other side. That means it's still there. Forgiveness is a decision, but it's also a process. So part of what I've learned over the years is that when I pray forgiveness, I pray, I declare forgiveness, I forgive this person, I love this person, Lord bless this person, help me to feel the forgiveness. Revival applies spiritual pressure. Snakes like to latch on, they like to bite the hand of those who are bringing the fuel. If you're bringing the fuel, you're gonna, your chances are you're gonna get bitten. When you're under attack, your critics will try to take advantage. Because here's what happens. Paul gets a snake on his hand and the people go, ho, 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 ho. That's definitely the judgment of God there. That guy's a murderer. Now, isn't it interesting Paul had been a murderer. 
But Jesus took the judgment. The accusations of venom. There's usually a little corn kernel of truth, but it's stuffed with a lie. There's something that's truish in it that wants to make you bite into the poison apple. So they say, he's got to be a murderer. He, he, he must have done something bad. This guy's about to die. That snake, by the way, didn't just bite him and then leave. The snake, the Bible's very clear. It fastened, it adhered to his hand. It, it was on him as he walked away from the fire. Ow! He's got a, he's got a snake there. But the Bible says this. Public opinion turned against him one minute. But when he did not die, but turned, and the Bible says he shook off that snake back into the fire. Somebody say, shake it off. When he shook off that attack back into the fire and kept walking around and having conversations with people, public opinion turned because they recognized that God was not against him, God was with him. Mark 16 says this, Jesus said, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and if they drink or take on any poison, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. My friends, this was a manifestation of the promise of Jesus in Mark 16 in the Great Commission. When you're out there doing the gospel, living the gospel, preaching the gospel, snakes don't have power over you. But it doesn't mean they won't bite. The venom is powerless against the blood of Jesus but you have to shake it off. Those who believe possess supernatural power over poison, but you gotta believe it and you gotta trust it and you gotta shake it off. When you keep going in the midst of the poison of a social media storm, the modern day barometer of public opinion, and you're still being who you are, people will take notice. If you're going through a storm right now, if people have said ugly things about you online, if they've accused you, whatever it is, I want you to know this, truth always, always, always outlives a lie. It just takes time. Isn't it horrible to have somebody say something about you, something ugly about you? Isn't it awful to be accused of something? Especially like Joseph in the Old Testament was accused of something that he actually did not compromise. In fact, it was a, it was a victory in his life. He, did, he would not sleep with Potiphar's wife. And yet the accusation was he was a rapist and he went to prison for it. But truth outlived the lie and he fulfilled his calling to take authority to become prime minister of Egypt. Truth always outlives the lie. You can't argue with good fruit. What my wife and I have said to each other over the years, <clears throat> let's just bring forth good fruit. Somebody says something ugly, you just bring forth good fruit. 
20 years later, they may figure it out. Lester Summer used to say, the best way to get even or get back at your critics is to outlive them. I love that. The people turned toward Paul, recognizing he was a man of God after. He shook off the snake. Back into the revival he just built. Back into the, into the, into the fiery pit, into the place he just built. And I want you to know, you're gonna have to shake off the works of darkness. You're gonna have to shake off the words of darkness. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 23, the principalities, the princes also sit and speak against me. But your servant meditates on your word, your statutes. Shake off the words of darkness. Shake off the words of deception. Shake off the temptation to become bitter. Because at the end of the day, it's the bitterness that you allow that takes you out. Hebrews says, beware lest any root of bitterness spring up inside of you and defile you. Venom, offense that comes in and results in deception. Because if you digest the offense and keep that unforgiveness, you give it power. And in that root, you start to believe things that are not true. Vengeance is not a good look in real life. It may be a great TV show. Revenge. But it leaves you empty. Psalm 73, 26, I'll finish with this. <clears throat> my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the rock and firm strength of my heart and my portion forever. Jesus said, Luke chapter six, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Well, that's an easy one to read. It's not an easy one to live. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. How many times have you wanted to pray, Lord, bless them with a brick? <laughs> but Jesus said, you feed in to the venom. Back in the Gulf War years ago, America armed Israel with Scud missiles or these Patriot missiles that would hit the Scuds that were coming in from, the, from Iraq. And what happened was they found a way to neutralize the missiles that were already incoming. They didn't have to wait till they exploded. They could hit them in the air and explode them. I submit to you that when you love those who hate you, and you bless those who curse you, and you do good to those who are upset with you, you neutralize the effect in the spirit before it has a chance to explode. Remember, as we talk about venom, love wins.
love wins. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your power, your strength, your might. The Holy Spirit, only you can bring this word, your word into the room. Only you can heal broken hearts. Today, Lord Jesus, we bring you our grief, our anxiety, our stress from jobs, finances, people pressure, expectations, disappointments, discouragements, ugly things spoken against us. We bring you all the junk, all the pain, all the evil report. You said in your word, Lord Jesus, as you announced your mandate in Luke chapter four, you said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted and to bind up their wounds, to set at liberty, liberty, those who are oppressed, to open the prison doors of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. In the name of Jesus, right now, we open the prison door to anyone who's bound. Whether you're in the room, in the building, or watching online, we release that healing word He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Would you receive that healing word today? Would you open your heart and let the healer in? Would you open your life and invite Jesus to be Lord afresh? Because the answer, my friend, the answer for venom The antidote, the antivenom, the serum that you need begins with hope and manifests with wholeness. If you're here today or wherever you are, just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you've been a Christian a long time, maybe you're brand new. you've never received Jesus, all you have to do is open your mouth and your heart and say, Jesus, come in. I need you. I want you. And whoever calls upon his name will be delivered, will be saved. But if you're here today, and even with your relationship with Jesus, you've still been going through emotional, mental grief, stress, anxiety, pressure, would you just slip your hand up right now and be honest about it because we want to pray for you. Now, if those things I heard recently were true, then three-fourths of you should have your hands up. So don't feel bad. You don't have to. Just be honest about it.
Lord, we release your healing touch. You said that perfect love casts out fear, anxiety, and stress. Lord, we release your healing power and every person whose hand is raised, every person whose heart is open, we release your healing power into every marriage, into every situation at work, into every person who's been overwhelmed in this season. And now with these lies and these things of trying to be resurgence of the virus, we declare that Jesus is Lord over all of these things and by his stripes, we were healed 2,000 years ago legally. And Lord, we ask you to manifest your promise in this room today. Bring healing to homes. Bring healing between couples. Bring, bring healing between parents and teenagers. And help us to be a light wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've got something today, I want you to put your hands together and give God the praise today. He is alive and He is mighty. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you. 